0: Hi, everyone. This is Working Title, the podcast where we four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and... I'm I am a part of a cult. Wow,
1: I am a little quiet. Let me... Uh...
0: Alrighty, well, welcome back everyone to another episode of Working Title, your... Working Title, interlinked. (laughs) Working Title. Hands. (laughs) Alright, welcome back to another episode of Working Title, your favorite movie podcast where we talk about the top 250 English language movies on IMDb. Um, So what we're talking about this week is Blade Runner 2049, um, which is kind of funny because we will watch Blade Runner in a few weeks, but we're watching this first. Um, Now, what is Blade Runner 2049? So besides the sequel to Blade Runner, which is a sci-fi classic, um, it's a cyberpunk movie. It's science fiction set in the near future and kind of a dystopia in a world where um, replicants, a sort of a synthetic person, exist to do menial labor and are effectively slaves. You know, in kind of your typical cyberpunk trappings with corporations running the world and uh, you know, living off of your protein paste and all that good stuff, right? You know, ecological disaster, whatever. Um, you know, and uh, uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but one element of it is, you know, memories are implanted into these replicants uh, to make them feel more human. And to introduce the cast here in the studio before we get started with everything, we'll, uh, we'll start with, you know, who we are and... What memories from one movie character we would implant into another movie character? Uh, I'll go first. My name is Jack. Um, and if I had to implant memories from one movie character into another, I would take the memories of Ted Stryker from Airplane and implant them into Maverick from Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm going to make a good movie. You, re- you really like Airplane.
0: Dude, I love Airplane. I, I'm, I maintain that Airplane is like, sheer distilled comedy it I there might be movies that are funnier but airplane is like the the perfection of the art con airman myself
1: <laughs> also a great comedy <laughs> distilled comedy who's up now
0: read the agenda it's Mike oh
1: oh it's me uh, my name is Mike and if I were to um, put a memory from one movie character into another, I would take the memories of a xenomorph and put it into a predator, so that in AVP maybe they might get along. <laughs> they it, they it's now a, a rom com. <laughs> <laughs> they just needed to
0: know they had so much in common. They common they enemy. Both
2: love knitting. <laughs> I'd watch an AVP rom com.
3: Alright. My name's Shane, and I would take. The memory of Adam Sandler and Jack and Jill, and implant it into Drew Barrymore in Fifty First Dates, so that she only needs one date with Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> one first date. <laughs> Fifty reasons not to be on a first date.
0: <laughs> All right, June.
2: Hi, I'm June. Uh, and I would implant the memories of. Born Ultimatum Jason Bourne into Born Identity Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it would make everything less convoluted.
0: We could skip straight to the uh, Ultimatum then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you just had one
1: Bourne. movie. Four.
0: <laughs> yep. Alrighty. Well, cool to talk about Blade Runner 2049. So it's set in Los Angeles loosely. Um, the central character is K, who is a Blade Runner and. Uh, what a blade runner is is it's um it is a job that is held by like a, a policeman or something like that a blade runner is responsible for quote unquote retiring replicants who have gone rogue so he's kind of like a a bounty hunter who goes out and and kills you know rogue or independent replicants and they usually do this because you know they gain sentience or self-awareness or you know it's like they escape slavery.
1: And a Blade Runner is a replicant. Well, not always. I mean, in this case in this movie it is. So, have you seen the uh, the original Blade Runner? June? I have not. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, well, it's going to be hard um, for you.
1: That's one
2: of my notes is that I feel like, you know, the original provides a lot of context cues that I missed. Yeah.
0: Mo- most Probably. most prequels do. There's um some setup, but it's it's not like, you know, uh it's not quite as direct, right? Like there's, there's ties, but it's not, I, I haven't seen Blade Runner in a long time and I picked this up. So I think you were, I would imagine you were able to piece it together through context, but we can kind of go through it.
1: To to go into what you're saying, Jack, it's, it's not that they're rebelling. It's that, um, or, or I should say, it's not that they've gained sentience. They, they retire these replicants who have um, like revolutionary thoughts in their head, trying to get away from slavery.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's like, um, so, I mean, just to put this on the table, right? Like Blade Runner is a social commentary to some degree, right? And the clear, you know, analog is that, you know, replicants and escape slaves, right? Like they're escaping this life of servitude that they've been constructed to do. Um, so yeah, they get killed, essentially. Sentience isn't the right word, but yeah, it's, they rebel, you know, in the original, they're like, you know, uh dangerous and this one the dude's farming or whatever. But yeah. But yeah, so the it centers around this Blade Runner named K and his life as he kind of uh it kind of plays out like a um a mystery and a thriller as he uncovers uh you know he he goes to retire a replicant and he uncovers more and more and it drags him further and further into this uh, big deal, I guess to put it mildly. But before I get into it too much, I'll hand it over to Mike to kind of talk through the the plot summary in a bit more detail.
1: Yeah, we'll jump into the big deal. Um, so, Kay uh, at the beginning of this film, as you're talking about the, uh, he's out to um, retire a Nexus Eight replicant, which is the uh, the version of replicants right before him. Uh, a little bit of the history it kind of talks about uh, in a, like a kind of a paragraph in the very beginning of the film is it's a little important. It talks about how the replicants um, had started to revolt when they were working on Mars, these indentured, um, you know, essentially, like you were saying, slaves. And so what they started doing is they started retiring all of the old uh, versions of the replicants, and now they've started a new generation, the Nexus 9 replicants, which are, um, they obey their masters, and they, they're made by the Wallace Corporation, and they were used to uh, save the world from famine when the essentially the atmosphere went to shit, and they had to use the slave labor in order to make enough and produce enough food on farms. And the only way they were able to do this is by having these um, these replicants work for them. But they didn't want them to be the old type that had gained a rebellious kind of actions. So Kay, as a replicant himself, a Nexus 9 replicant, he's working for the LAPD, and he's flying out to a farm to retire um, and look for a, a, a replicant named... Uh, he's a sapper, sapper Morton. Uh, so Kay arrives at this farm, and He's out in the middle of uh, you know the boonies. It's outside of L.A. somewhere, and this uh, this big replicant um, Sapper is there, and Kay gets into a, a fight with him, and the 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 Sapper Morton says to uh, K before he uh, retires him, uh, the only reason you're killing your own kind is because you've never seen a miracle before. Uh, this doesn't make sense to K at the time, but it plays into the the story uh, pretty quickly here. So after Kay retires. Morton, he's about to leave and he notices that there is a um, a yellow flower underneath the base of this dead tree on the farm. So he uh, sends out a little scan drone out of his out of his police vehicle and they pick up a buried chest uh, underneath this tree. Um, he contacts his lieutenant, um, uh, Lieutenant Joshi, and she tells him to come back to base with the uh, with, you know, whatever was under there to send a dig team out there to get that. Uh, so Kay returns back to the LAPD, um, and is put through a baseline test and baseline test is to figure out if Kay has had any, um, rebellious kind of thoughts go through his head. If he's, if he's still, if he's still on track to being uh, an obeying replicant and he hasn't kind of gone off the deep end yet, uh, he passes it, no problem. And, uh, it, you know, he goes and he meets with a Lieutenant. They find that inside of this box was, uh, Bones, of a, a dead female who had died during a since a C-section, giving birth to a, a child of unknown, you know. So they find that in the bones that there is a serial number that is uh, indicating that these bones belong to a replicant. Um, this makes Lieutenant Joshi uh, very concerned because this means that somehow the replicant had the ability to give birth to a living uh, person and not not made in a laboratory. Uh, she says that this could break the world and that they need to keep us undercover, and so she tasks Kay with going out into the world to find this kid and retire the child before anybody figures out that this was something that actually happened. Uh, this is where Kay kind of realized the the statement that Morton made about uh, never seeing a miracle. He was referring to a replicant giving birth to a child. So there's two different organizations. Uh, this the, the replicants are now being made by a man named Wallace, and he... Uh, he has kind of the, the newer versions of the replicants, and before him was a man named Tyrell, who was the one that would have made uh, the replicant that gave birth to the kid. We find out that that replicant was Rachel. She's from the first movie, and she was a replicant herself. And so Tyrell is now you know, long gone and dead, and Wallace is kind of running the replicant game. He was the one who started making the new Nexus 9s that uh, follow the, the orders and are obeyed. There was a blackout that caused a lot of information to get erased. So Kay has to go to the archives where, you know, some fragments of information still exist to try to figure out what he can about the bones uh, from uh, Rachel. Uh, he takes some samples with them. And while they're looking through the records, uh, it the, uh, the d- DNA from Rachel sets off. An alarm that goes to a replicant whose name is Love, and she's the kind of the the second in command for Wallace's um, empire. So Love comes down, and and it's very obvious that this is a very big deal that Wallace is either trying to cover up or look into, and we find the latter to be the case uh, pretty quickly. Uh, Kay kind of lies to her; it's, it says why he was there was for other reasons than what he's actually there for um, to keep this under. But but now he's being kind of monitored by this replicant named Love. Uh, that's kind of the the intro to it and kind of a heavy portion of that. Um so if anybody wants to add anything, that was a good, that was time. good yeah. time to note that it's a 3 hour
3: movie almost. It's dense.
0: Yeah. And one one small piece too is um uh Rachel was like romantically involved with uh Rick Deckard who is, you know, Harrison Ford and uh, you know, played by Harrison Ford as well in the first movie, the protagonist of Blade Runner. So that's that's kind of the you know a, a a piece of that as well. Now, one thing um a little unclear on was so it makes sense that like Rachel might have uh you know uh, sent some flags up when they started looking into her. But how did you know uh, Wallace starts looking into finding the child? Right, like this is his vision. And how how did he surmise from cave visiting and looking into Rachel's records that a child existed? <laughs>
1: He didn't. So Love came down. So as they were going through the records, he, he had the DNA from Rachel, and they were still actively looking for Rachel. They never found her. She was buried by the, the replicants that um, you know tried to help her save the baby, but she died during childbirth, right? So all it was is that that, that um, DNA from Rachel in, indicated to Love that they've now found the bones of Rachel, and that sets Love off to then go and start investigating herself. She starts to track, uh, agent K using, um, which is the next section. When K returns home, he, he pulls out, uh, his, I guess it's a, it's artificial intelligence program that is, um, hologram, (laughs) Of 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 his wife or girlfriend, it's it's called the uh, it's called Joy, and it's also made by the Wallace Corporation. And so Love actually is using that technology to spy on K and is monitoring him throughout all of these interactions. And in the meantime, she goes and collects the bones from the LAPD and kills the uh, the what is it the the DNA guy? What do you call that? Like a the coroner? The coroner? I guess. Yeah. So yeah. she like kills the coroner, takes the bones, and so now they've lost that and. Because Love has been using um the uh the joy program to kind of spy on Kay, Kay goes and starts looking up the child's um that looks into the database and starts looking for children that were put into an orphanage uh, you know, during whatever dates, and that kinda of lets Love know that Kay's on the, the trace of these the this missing kid.
0: Yeah, he finds a, a date carved in the base of the tree where the, the remains were buried, six twenty 21 I think 61021 6, 20, 61021 um and it actually resonates with the memory he has of a horse that like a wooden horse that had that carved into the the base of it right um and so yeah he he starts looking for children that were born 61021 and
1: i guess you could kind of put it together that the, the when she took the bones of Rachel they also could have found that there you know there was the Rachel died giving birth to somebody
0: yeah, so this is this is like a very tangled movie, right? Like, there's a lot of threads coming together. It's hard to talk about stuff without going through more of it. But let's let's see if we can regroup a little bit.
2: I can Why push don't we just make robots? Uh, no, oh, no, okay, hold on. <laughs> yeah, let's let's regroup for a second. We just like blew through half yeah. this fucking movie. So at the end of uh, the movie, <laughs> <laughs> the sequencing-wise, joy or. What was that? The AI, the fucking OS one, the hologramus, yeah, Yeah. the the not her. That was so. Joy was not originally used to spy on him, right? He went to the Wallace Corporation and looked up the record, and then after that, he got like the upgrade for Joy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, so the portable
1: Joy. So love knows that he has it just because before he goes there he gets the upgrade for joy when he's at the apartment uh before he goes to the t- uh, the wallace uh foundation to look up the 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 whatever the the documents from the past that were lost in the blackout he gives he brings home a um emanator which allows him to hologram joy wherever he goes right so he's he's carrying her around essentially in his pocket now and while he's there looking up the the the, the records The joy makes the little, you know, noise, the little, you got a text message noise and love says to him, Oh, I see you you were using one of our products. I hope you're like happy with it or whatever. So that kind of told love that he is using one of their emanators. And I, after that is when she starts to spy on him.
0: Yeah. They Zuckerberg him.
1: Okay. Um, Yeah. So a couple
2: things kind of insignificant things. So was there something in the original movie with the whole like post-traumatic stress test?
0: Yes. Um, so that was a big thing, right? Like so one big thing with replicants, well, okay, so it, it kind of blurs, right? But uh, one big thing with replicants is it's hard to tell who is a replicant and who is a human, right? So in the original, there is um, a test that you administer uh, in the book, it's called like an empathy test or something. Um, there's a there's a name for it in Blade Runner. But yeah, you you ask these questions, you administer these questions to someone to figure out if they're a replicant or not. Um, and it was
2: the same style with the interlinked? and
3: no, I think thi- this is like a
0: different spin on something it. Something like okay, yeah. like
3: you see a flower and just, I don't know, yeah. I'm trying to remember. It's more like emotional
1: than similar to like the Turing test.
0: Yeah, so in the original it's called the Voight-Kampff test and it's to tell if someone is a human or a replicant. And this is kind of like a, a spin on it, like a... An evolution of it, I think. Okay. Why do they yeah. just
3: make robots? It would be so much easier. <laughs> and you could tell what's what's bad and what's good.
1: My god, he solved the on our universe. The whole
3: premise of, of Replicants <laughs> is a little weird to me. It's a good. That doesn't mean I hate this movie, but I was just sitting there like, this is a lot of work for, I feel like, we could just dumb down
1: the technology and not have
3: ha, fake so,
1: humans. Wh- what's... I'm glad you brought that up. So in the in the, in this movie, and, and I think this might answer your question, is the whole reason Wallace wants to find out what happened to the kid is so that he can replicate Tyrell's final trick, he refers to it as, of a replicant being able to give birth to more because he's not able to produce replicants fast enough to meet demands. But if he's having them reproduce with each other, he said he can make millions at a time. So he wants them to be able to reproduce biologically and rather than mm-hmm. make mechanical robots, because he can't make them fast enough that way. Robots that make robots. Robots what? that
2: make robots.
3: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, um, can so, we talk about the opening scene? Go ahead, June.
2: First. I, I just had an overarching question. They they keep talking about off world. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like literally off of the planet Mars? Yeah.
1: So okay. Mars or the a, a colony that um so. The first Nexus generation rebelled and, and killed a bunch of humans on Mars, and that caused the replicants to become illegal on Earth. Um, and that's the, the premise of the first Blade Runner, was Deckard was out there trying to track down these replicants that came from Mars and are now living amongst the humans on Earth. This is a little bit different now that Wallace is in charge and Tyrell's dead. He's now made a breed of replicants that follow orders and are allowed to be on Earth again.
2: Okay, and Wallace is on Earth, or at any point yeah. in this movie, are they on Mars? No, no. they're on Earth the whole okay. time. Okay, uh, okay, got it.
3: In LA and the trash dump that is San Diego. Yeah, well, that's yeah. true
2: though. <laughs> um, Shane, you had some
0: with the opening scene. Oh
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I want to talk about this stuff too. So go ahead, Shane.
2: Yeah. So
3: first of all, like the casting of uh, Dave Bautista, he did an excellent job. Also, was getting a lot of uh, Inglorious Bastard vibes. Like that, but maybe that's just because it was a slow build that led to like hyper violence.
1: What do you mean
2: by "what were the vibes"? Did it had yeah. that Tarantino esque um slow suspense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um So, and I definitely see that. Yeah, and then it was like jarring violence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and this
3: was when I still didn't know that he was a replicant, so I was like, "How is he fucking alive?" Oh, he's like, talking he about just,
1: when he gets thrown his head through a slammed
3: wall multiple times into the walls like well he's dead
0: (laughs) yeah um yeah it's it's this is a really stylistic movie which i loved yeah Um, it also it also
1: shows in that scene that the new nexus 9 generation even though smaller than the nexus 8 still can take down one of those big nexus 8 ones Yeah. yeah yeah one of my favorite things about the year 2049
2: is that you just step into a room, get three sixty blasted by water for two seconds, and that's a shower.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, and it's like ninety-nine point nine or seven percent filtered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, um,
3: it just reminds me of you ever see Austin Powers when he's getting like out of the cloning vat and they dry him and like seven air dryers come up and just blast him, and he's like, ah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: So this is one thing that I, I really loved about this movie, and that's that every, like, um, set or every like setting was like a character in and of itself. Um, like the this, it, it just felt so like fully, like conceived, right? It it felt cohesive. It felt like everything was thought about in a lot of ways, like the uh, the protein farm that Sapper Morton worked at or owned where he's walking around in these big tubs full of grubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where the, the difference between K's apartment and uh, Lieutenant Joshi's office was like night and day, right? Hers was clean, his was dingy, like possessions. Everything felt like it was... Like ev- every scene and setting felt like its own character too.
2: Yeah, so I don't... Again, I, I don't have the context from the original uh, movie, but this was like... It, it had a perfect kind of juxtaposition of art deco and, and like neo-noir and mm. each kind of gave that different feeling, if that makes sense. Like it, it shows mm-hmm. different worlds uh, even within the same. That's kind of why I was confused if it was all on earth because there's so many different uh, art styles yeah. that represent the, the I guess, the tiers of life on in L.A. Yeah, especially yeah, when there's... you see
3: Wallace, you really get to see, like, this weird styling of, like, Japanese-slash-corporate?
2: It was pretty Art Deco. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah it's it's course. very opulent.
0: And then later we go to the ruins of Las Vegas, which is, like, um, pre-war. Not, not like, our world pre-war, but pre-catastrophe and super industrial.
1: Mm-hmm. One of my my favorite genres is uh, is well two of my favorite genres are uh, cyberpunk and post-apocalyptic kind of dystopian futures. I really like those two. And th- like you guys are saying this movie like the costume design was on point, but the thing that really blows this movie away for me was the the soundtrack, not just the music, but the use of noises throughout it to make you have feel that industrial kind of punk kind of mm-hmm. dystopian feel was was really well done. Yeah, yeah, I didn't
2: expect the I didn't expect the score to be so um, art, art artsy. I guess yeah, because it's yeah. It, it, the score was very indicative of like a, a classic uh, film festival film.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, but it fits so well with the the overall production design. And they use the, they use these loud noises to really kind of m- intensify the moments. Right, these big like like grinding noises where it's not really music, but it's just. It's almost like background, sometimes too loud, kind of uh, bangs, and and you know makes you feel a little bit more emotion in it.
0: So, real quick, um, Mike, I think you've seen this before. I have, yes. Shane, have you?
3: No, this is my first viewing.
0: And and June, you, you haven't either, right? Correct. Okay, so uh, this was my first time viewing it, and. Um, I was coming into this expecting kind of like an action movie, even though I've seen the original Blade Runner, which is not exactly an action movie. But I was coming to this expecting, you know, like a action, fighting, you know, shooting guns at each other a lot of the time kind of thing. Were you two expecting the same thing?
3: I was not. I kind of expected this to be Drive in Space, and I was pleasantly surprised because <laughs> <Drive in space. laughs> it, it is a little bit drive in space Ryan Gosling has two maybe three emotions shown and that's like a scene of emotions and the rest of the time he's staring off in the distance and that is not <laughs> a downplay he does a very good job at staring <laughs> like
0: his um primary primary characterization is having a cool jacket
2: yeah yeah for sure if I was a casting director and you asked me, we need somebody to be kind of half robot, half human in acting, I would have picked Ryan Gosling. Oh, he's
3: <laughs> perfect. He's absolutely perfect. Like, but um, I also, like, I've seen the original Blade Runner, and we can talk mm-hmm. about that later. Yep. But um, this one, I expected it to be more just thought-provoking and just sticking to that. But I love the cuts of violence because they're, they're not very many. But when they happen... They're very intense. They're very well choreographed. And they're like visceral. Realistic almost. Yeah. It's like they're excellently done. So you don't Mm -hmm. really need it. If you had it a lot, it would become mind numbing. You just, it'd be a different movie. But like with this, it drives home that there is violence and he is very capable. But it's also like real
1: life. You're just not karate chopping everybody. But it looks like when somebody gets hit, it looks like it hurts.
3: Yeah. And like they do these little scenes to show because you're told the replicants are strong and stronger than humans. But you don't get to see it a ton. But you get like these two, like he jumps through the wall or like she just like punches a guy's neck and he just folds in half. Like, yeah, there's this little showing of strength.
0: Both very grounded and very like otherworldly. Like it's. Yeah, yeah, it's there's weight to it, despite it being sort of fantastical. It's it, it's so well grounded that, yeah, it it makes an impact instead of just being oh yeah, Superman threw another guy through a building. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. And to, to
2: to answer your question, Jack, like the only re- frame of reference I had for Blade Runner the original was like a couple screenshots of floating cars in that neo noir aesthetic. Mm-hmm. So I imagined it was going to have a noir feel. Where it was kind of slow, investigative, but just like you were saying, the there's like three or four climaxes throughout this that are just jarring with the action sequences, and I was not expecting that, especially with. And I got I got some gripes in the next section about the movie being super slow, but um, it was a good kind of intermission to the slowness, if if you will.
0: So yeah, makes sense. One one thing I do want to add to your note about like the the styles and the you know, artistic stuff. So the original blade runner was kind of like the progenitor of a, a cyberpunk style. Um, you know, this particular flavor of futurism, Mm -hmm. right. Where, uh, it, it feels like aliens, you know, as well is another example of that. Um, but what I think we see here is definitely the director who we haven't even mentioned yet. Denis Villeneuve, if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, it, you know this. This is definitely his spin on it. it's. It's not just like um, a rehash of the the visual style of Blade Runner.
3: Yeah, and God is he just he is so good at the visual part of movies. Like I've seen a few of his movies before. I think he did the Revenant too. Correct?
0: No, no, no. I don't think he did. He did the new Dune. Okay. Yeah, so we oh, can he talk did, about um, Dune the... later. He did Arrival. He did yes. Sicario.
3: Yeah. So he's got a. Very good eye, and like this movie is beautiful to watch.
0: Oh, yeah, he he has uh, well, I don't even know if you can call it a distinct style, but he understands style, yeah, because it's not like Sicario looked like Blade Runner, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> well, no,
3: shoot <laughs> <suit> yourself, man. <laughs> and I mean, I guess
0: while we're here, right, like he he does. If you've seen Dune, like he does, bring the same flair to it, but Dune also feels absolutely nothing like Blade Runner.
1: Yeah, very. I think
2: um, the it's less so about the director, but the the collaborators. Um, so the cinematographer was Roger Deakins, who has worked mm-hmm. with Villeneuve in uh, some of his other movies, uh, even things like um, like Sicario uh same cinematographers and you see his style like he did uh he also did no country for old men mm-hmm. um so you kind of get that kind of gritty cinema in the uh grittiness in the cinematography
0: mm-hmm. well i mean that that's just directors right like they have their favorite people to work with right you know and they go around in packs and like i, I don't think wes anderson goes anywhere without bill murray <laughs>
2: <laughs> man we just could keep going back to wes anderson that's, okay. that's
0: just me. I, I talk about At least we didn't recast
3: this as a Wes Anderson film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's going to be You're... our stinger at the end of this because I think we should. Wow. Um, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow is Joy. <laughs> yeah. Wallace um, is definitely Jeff Goldblum. No, yeah. <laughs> Rick Decker God, how about, is Bill Murray. How about Jared Leto, man? Dude, I was, was going
3: to bring this up later. But yeah, he might have been my favorite part. Of this film.
0: He, he continues to deliver. It. Jared Leto I think you need to cast as a specific type of insane. But if you do it right. <laughs> he he fits it perfectly.
3: The scary part is I picture Jared Leto dressing like that at home. And having these same conversations with like. His wife. <laughs> <laughs> he's like I want to build something. That makes birth. <laughs> like, like, God. And, and he's like. like yeah. Probably blindfolds himself around his house. <laughs>
0: so the the question is: Is is Jared Leto even acting? It <laughs> might not
3: be. It's so good, <laughs> like. But even Wallace, the character, is cool. Like he's just oh, yeah. kind of scary, but
2: cool. It's that. It's it's definitely that Bond villain mm-hmm. um, style. Um, what I was gonna say, I, I've I've kind of been out of the game as far as like the technical side of filmmaking goes these days, but like some of the effects in this movie looked so hard to do like when joy is like projected on top of other people or even the fact that like you know she is a hologram and can't touch k but attempts to and you can tell they were like not filmed at the same time or something but i don't know how they did it but it was great it's crazy probably not easy
1: well, we got, a, we got a lot of ground to cover here. You know, you were saying, like, we're, we're already halfway through the movie. We're not. We're only about a quarter of the way through the movie. <laughs> That's true. That very and long we movie. haven't even really talked about Joy. <laughs> I think we only had one scene with her. So anyways, if, if we we're all ready to move on, I'm going to go into the yep. next part of the plot. Uh, so we started talking a little bit about it, Jack, about the, the date that was carved on another tree. Uh, I just want to go back to that. So Kay does return to Morton's farm. And investigates the house a little bit further and he's able to find behind a broken piano key, um, a tin with a baby sock in it. Uh, that kind of was important to kind of leading him toward the child. Uh, he did go and look that up. I talked about it a little bit more, but what I didn't mention was in the records, uh, he finds that there are two identical DNA traces for two children, a male and a female, and they have the exact same DNA. Uh, it indicates that one of them died at the orphanage, the female, and the male was still alive. Uh, so this leads Kay to the next step is to fly to San Diego, uh, which is a dump. Um, and <laughs>
0: Some things never change.
1: Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the way, he is uh, attacked by some scavengers, and they were able to bring him down with um, pretty ingenious Uh, Bolt with is connected to a kite and kind of EMPs him and brings him down to the ground and crashes Uh, he is able to fight them off but with the help of a drone that is being controlled by Love so Love is kind of allowing Kay to live so that she can let him do the dirty work essentially and follow behind. Uh, He gets to this orphanage and finds that the records for the year of these two children are missing from the the, the headmaster's books Uh, but while he's at the orphanage he has a, a relapse in a memory that he had uh, of this horse that uh, we talked about that, had, that also had the same date carved into this birth date. Uh, K goes to the spot in his memory and finds the wooden horse in the furnace that he remembers leaving it in his memories. Now... Replicants don't have their actual own memories memories. They've been installed into their brain. So now Kay uh he is this is kind of how he's set off baseline is because of all this. He's starting to think that maybe he might be born and he might be this child. And Joy is kind of furthering that idea, and she's kind of pushing it and telling him that he's special and that he's born. And so now Kay is uh he's kind of essentially uh he's losing it because of this these contradicting memories and him thinking that he's been a replicant his whole life. So after this, uh, after he's at the, uh, the orphanage and he kind of loses track of that. His next idea is to go and and track down who makes the memories for replicants and find out if these memories he has in his head are, are his and they're real. Um, he goes to, uh, Dr. Anna, uh, I don't remember her last name. He goes to Dr. Anna. Who's uh, who's the, the designer of the memories. And she is able to, she's in a, she's in a, you know, she's a bubble, bubble girl. She's stuck behind a closed <laughs> glass because of a, um, she has a deficiency with her immune system and she is able to look into Kay's mind and, and sees that this memory that he has is real. And now Kay believes that he is, he is the child. He was born and he, he's off baseline, hundred percent off. Um, as he's leaving the the this facility where the uh, the memories are made, he's arrested by the LAPD who have actually have been tracking him as well, and he's brought back to the uh the uh, the base where he is put through his baseline test and he's completely off. Um, and he's given essentially two hours to get out of the uh police station. The reason he's given these two hours is he he tells uh Lieutenant uh Joe uh Joshi that it's finished that he killed the child, and he lies to her, and uh, she, being relieved about that, kind of gives him a chance to get his head back in order, um, and she lets him go. Uh, this not being true, Kay returns back to, um, oh, you know, I missed something. So so Kay actually went and visited Deckard's old partner from the first movie. I don't remember his name, but he kind of- yeah, so he tells Kay where to essentially find Deckard that he likes living alone, um in, in a place where this um uh this dirty bomb went off. Um oh, I'm messing that up too. No, Sorry, let he me go says back. He so just so he, he he finds out that Deckard likes to Yeah, Deckard disappeared. My bad. But Kay's able to find out where Deckard's at. After he's released from the LAPD, he has those, you know 20 or 48 hours to get his head straight. He uses that time to go back to his apartment. He knows now he's being tracked by love because he saw the drone overhead firing up the scavengers. And so he gets his emulator, gets Joy packed up, breaks all memory of her in the apartment, and uh, he's able to leave. Before they're able to get out of there, Joy has like kind of like a, a surprise for him, gives him a, a moment of feeling human where she was able to bring in a prostitute that he had met a little previously in the movie um, who actually is being kind of uh, driven by this, this mysterious woman that we're going to discover uh, a little bit later. And this prostitute comes over and hides a tracking device in Kay's jacket before they're leaving. Um, Kay takes the wooden horse that he found in the furnace and he's able to get it analyzed. And it turns out that the, there is a, a radiation on the wood and the only place this radiation exists is in Las Vegas, where a dirty bomb had gone off. So Kay's next step in his um, his uh, investigation is to head toward Las Vegas.
3: Okay. Track it. Scene. Got it. <laughs> Good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I blacked out a little bit. Did we talk about the horse? Yeah, of yes. course. And the flashbacks? Okay. <laughs> um, This is my first gripe of the movie. Mm-hmm. Wait, did he go back and find the horse in yes. this section? Yes. Okay. Do I miss you? Want me to <laughs> so, <over? laughs> yes. yes. So the beginning of this movie, Kay is flying out to a farm. <laughs> so um, he has he has the flashback. We all see the kid or whatever put the uh, the horse in the in the ash, and then Kay goes back to find it, and we all know he's gonna find the fucking horse. Oh yeah. Right. But that scene dragged on and created so much artificial suspense. That was like so unnecessary. Like, if the score builds, he walks super slow, and and like, dude, we get it. Like, you're gonna find the
1: damn horse. <laughs> I think it was well, trying to. I think it was trying to show him l- essentially losing his mind.
0: Yeah, that's how I felt. It's it's not so much about like hitting the plot point, but about the the psychological feeling. And I mean, I I definitely feel like this movie was I don't know twenty minutes too long, right? But I see at least what they were aiming for with this, right? Where he is convinced his entire life that his memories are false and he visits this place. And I think some of it is really masterfully done where he, you know, we see the movie, uh, <clears throat> we see the, the memory a few scenes earlier and, you know, it, it looks like an unrecognizable industrial place where he lives. Mm-hmm. And he comes to this, uh, orphanage in broad daylight and starts walking through like the the half scrapped hulk of a ship, and then the scenes start to correlate, and it starts to become more and more clear that he is where he was in this memory. And I think that's the kind of thing that does take some time to to build, if you want it to feel interesting, right? Too long. I, I, that's like a you know it, yeah it it can go on for too long, but I I would much rather have it take a little more too much time than like oh yeah here's a horse all right see ya, like Star Wars nine
2: <laughs> I, I think the his like descent slash realization could have come after he found the horse instead of him walking at fucking a quarter mile an hour through a bunch of stairways but
0: but um, then would it have been too convenient for him to be like oh yeah this is the furnace from my dream let me just pop inside here real quick <laughs> dreamt it
3: again
2: hey all i'm saying is thank god nobody turned that furnace on in the 20 <laughs> that's years what i
3: was thinking i was like what if it's not there
1: <laughs> like, i don't think that was like a, a working facility anymore I, I think this was just like a <laughs> dilapidated kind of place that has been turned into an orphanage yeah see, you wa- saw
0: the guy who runs his orphanage you think he's gonna pay for heat <laughs> see,
2: i want to see that movie where he doesn't find the horse
0: <laughs> and
3: he's like well i guess it all wasn't real bye
2: <laughs> guess i'll go find that kid and
1: kill it
0: <laughs> blade runner 2048 um <laughs> you know it's
1: you know, a uh, uh, or whatever his name is pronounced. His attention to detail, though, is I, I, I appreciate. And this kind of, I think maybe that's why he drags scenes out long. Is because he's so detail oriented. But what I liked was when uh, Deckard's ship gets brought down by the scavengers. He he's, he's like he's pulling like ejection handles, and it makes it look like I don't know. I like the fact that they went they took the extra step to make it look like he's actually starting a failsafe kind of crash um, failsafe device in his flying police vehicle yeah the little things in this movie are are what really got me uh what i've seen of
0: of this director he had of you know of Denis villeneuve um he has like a a painstaking attention to the setting it is it's like absolutely meticulous Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know i i think um yeah I, i totally get that it does add up right like you know standing out in the rain or you know scenes of street sweepers or you know eating shitty food and having holograms of good food it's superimposed on it so you can tell yourself it's a real steak right like this stuff takes time and it adds up and you can see the opposite in dune where he tried to do the same thing but with less time and it it definitely feels rushed so i guess what i'm saying is it it does drag on it is long but i enjoyed the the ride
3: I have a semi gripe. I don't know if it's really a gripe or if it just kind of is what it is. This movie felt like a bunch of movies I'd already seen before, but done well, if that makes sense. What?
0: You mean the subplot that was her?
3: Yes. The her subplot. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I was like, I've seen this movie. I can fast forward. I already know where this goes. She's like already talking to like 800 other thousand guys. She's doing the same thing, but like we know where the side plot is. We have a whole thing on it. Don't take God.
2: It was a different take on the her surrogate scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah a little different. A little yeah, awkward. <laughs> it's awkward
2: in a different way. Yeah. There you go.
3: Uh, yeah. I was like, they both acted awkward. Uh, no. Uh, there's a few like that though, where it's like this movie Shane, feels. Did, Shane, did you
1: just did you just censor yourself? <laughs> You know, I guess this is, a, this is a good point to bring it up now that you've kind of started to talk about it. it's Like other movies, uh, what I thought was really kind of refreshing about this is, you know, it being a sequel to a movie that came out back in the '80s. Um, it did not have the same failure that a lot of other, uh, you know, 2010 sequels have um, essentially reproduced the be- the first movie it's again. Yeah. yeah, so oh, it did yeah. not do this in this sense. It, it kept the feel of the first movie, but it had new ideas that kind of built on the old ideas rather than just recycling Blade Runner from the beginning. I, I like that about this. I actually made it feel like it was fluid in the sense that it, it, it works inside the universe and it feels like something fresh and new at the same time.
3: Well, and the restraint shown also is big because I kept waiting for this movie to turn into Minority Report, especially <laughs> when she's like, you're off baseline. I thought she was going to give him a gun and be like, you have 10 minutes before they're in this room. And he's like, bring, 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 bring. <laughs> You're like jumping out windows and like, but no, it's just like, go ahead, get out of here. You have two hours to be back. And then he's like, okay. And he goes and eats dinner, goes to bed, drives to Las Vegas.
2: <laughs> then, yeah. So it's just drive. <laughs>
3: there you go. It's, it's just the, the same movie we've seen already. Just done better.
2: <laughs>
3: um, Is this, when she gives him his, like, you're off baseline, this is after the scene where she comes on to him, correct?
1: Yeah, so that was when they, when he first, um, she goes to his apartment, like, closer to the beginning of the the film, and uh, she tries to, she gets drunk or whatever when they're talking about the bones and the child missing and blah, Mm -hmm. blah,
3: blah. Yeah, stuff that gets you real riled up.
1: Yeah, typical romantic conversation.
2: <laughs> Did hey, you kill the Le- kid? Lieutenant Joshi's a freak. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, a uh, conversation like, you don't really have a soul. that's That really gets people going. <laughs> and
3: it's good to see that replicants aren't like given like a prime directive of like don't harm humans because they have no problem just
2: massacring <laughs> like, the few humans remaining, apparently.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Love is so graphic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that
2: was another sequence um, when, when he crashes the this- the space lambo it like <laughs> well, first no, the of all <laughs> he spends a lot of time in this
1: movie
2: uh passed out yeah yeah um he is he has multiple
1: concussions <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: so it what was good about this sequence is you know he steps out of the the car or the wreckage i guess and just is surrounded by like all the you know Scab- whatever san diegans yeah the Sandy Akins. <laughs> and honestly, I did not know how he was going to get out of it. Right? It was, like, uh, I was like, great. Like, we're going to go into some weird capture sequence and all this shit. And then just a barrage of sky missiles <laughs> rain down. And it is graphic. As,
3: as love is getting her dies. nails done. Just going, kill, left, <laughs> kill.
2: Yeah. And that, like, really dehumanized it to the point where it was uncomfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And I, I, yeah, like, what you were saying about attention to detail, man, like, it was really good. Love is a scary character.
0: That scene, before before we move on to love, that scene also had me asking, like, a, uh, a question where, so he's here, right? He knows he's in hot water. Missiles come down from the sky and bail him out. And what does he do? He just kind of presses on. And part of me <laughs> wonders is that kind of just, like, a concession to move the plot along, or is that, or you know, is that just not explaining it verbatim, you know, I to think, the audience? that you, He's uncomfortable trash with can. it. <laughs> no, yeah. I
1: think it just shows. I think it just shows who Kay is as a character. Kay is always yeah. he, throughout the entire film. He's very mono. He he he's driven by his quest. And yes, he, but he's at the same time he's very intelligent. Like he looks up, he sees yeah. the glimmer from the uh, the UAV. And he knows mm-hmm. that he's being watched, but there's nothing he can do about it. Might as well just keep going.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I took away, too. But I thought that was an interesting, like a, a telling moment as well, right? Like, yeah, I, I had to think about it. But I, I think I came to the same conclusion that it's not like a, a skip in the plot. It's it's, a, it's something about the character.
1: Yeah, shows a
2: little bit more about him, really. The interesting part about that point is it foreshadowed to the viewer what was going to happen. But he was kind of oblivious. You know, he's been tracked this whole time and you're right. He doesn't ask how are they tracking me and then he eventually goes and finds Decker and like is surprised when they find him. <laughs> he, I know he was, was followed. Like... Yeah. But he,
0: he does uh break the tracking system before he goes there. He he breaks the tracker and Joy's thing.
1: Yeah he does. Before oh, he leaves right. he goes in that's before he right. goes to Vegas he breaks it, yeah. Yeah. yeah so so he thought he was in the clear. Oh. Yeah.
0: I mean uh, he's yep. he's at least somewhat savvy, right? Like he's not he he doesn't seem like a protagonist that's only smart enough to get through the current scene you know
1: cuz yeah. joy you know, was like break the antenna yeah it's interesting i was going to say that like joy actually so as far as like this 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 the, the kind of the the underlying idea behind this whole thing is joy her is also part of this indentured servitude kind of she's an ai sure she's programmed but so is so is k um and they have that kind of relationship that Kay is in love with joy and knows that joy you know, even though she is a program, is capable of having feelings, and that's why he is helped by her. I think Joy is not as non-sophisticated as we, as at least how I kind of took it at the beginning. She's not just a program. She she's developed her own sense of personality. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think it's yeah. I think it's complicated. I think it's it's like a real big question mark, and I don't think. My read is that Joy is definitely not o- operating at like the same level as you know um, K or love, right? But yeah. uh, I don't know. It's it's an I, open question, right? I, I kind of I mean, agree with these- you,
3: Mike. But the scene where he like sees the big hologram of her, like the advertisement. So I'll
1: get to that. Don't yeah. don't, don't get there yet. That's I'm just actually, saying, like, um, yeah, in, it's kind of pr- pr- leading up to that. But yeah,
3: I don't know if Joy is just doing what she's
1: supposed to
2: do. You know, I think. It could be argued that like the nexuses, the Nexi. <laughs> are extremely subservient, right? They're programmed that way. So is she just that subservient to Wallace, to well, where okay, she's so kind I guess, of so I guess I think she's not
3: just a program that she kind of yeah. gets to run away a little bit because she is an AI, but she does revert to her programming of just like please him,
1: because that's so all she
3: really focuses on.
1: I think you're right, Shane, and I, I don't care if we skip ahead to this part. But yes, yeah, so that, that, that scene where there's a, the advertisement for the Joy program after we lose Joy in the, in the later on in the movie, um, I think you're right. I think that kind of showed Kay the, that he kind of snaps to it because at that point he's, you know, going ahead and plot a little bit, he's considering helping out the revolutionaries and that kind of seals the deal where he sees it and he kind of realizes Joy wasn't real. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he doesn't have anything so, to live for. She He's asked a not few
3: real. questions about his mother and then she knew exactly how she ended up running.
0: <laughs> real quick. So I think the joy he had was like a copy, right? It's not, my read was that there's not like one big mega joy. that <laughs> We are joy. Runs, right? like, we are legion. <laughs> it's, it's like you, you buy a copy of it, right? And you have a copy that runs just for you. It's a computer it, program. Know, Maybe that's, that's wrong, but that was my read on it. And I also, you know, as we talk about it, I think, I think this is kind of part of the whole social commentary of replicants and artificial intelligences, right? Like we, this is the theme of Blade Runner is that we construct these things that, you know, we consider largely subservient, right? They're purpose built to do something. And, because they do that something we never look at them again we just assume that's all they do right like replicants or these artificial intelligences and do we discount one you know like is his joy real is she well this Uh, this whole film is about equality right yeah that's what i'm saying right like is 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 joy like just another little uh microcosm of this this question in this movie yeah 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 that's so, I, I mean, that's something that I didn't, you know, connect the metaphor until we talked about it, so. Mm. Uh,
2: I do have a, another question. Um, is Wallace a replicant?
0: No, he's not. No, I don't think so. But there's one okay. piece that, reading about it, that I did not put together in the movie, but he's blind. And he uses oh. those sensors and the little hovering camera drones to see.
2: Oh, so is that why, what's her name, put a domino on his ear?
0: Yes. Yeah okay <laughs> there's, there's a lot to take in with this movie um
3: right because he took it off when he like wanted to feel up his newly made replicant the one that he kills because mm. like whenever he wants to like feel i guess or something he takes the chip out and becomes blind
0: again so also feels like something jared let would do yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> was that
2: a was that a failed experiment of a pregnancy capable replicant no, like no, he, he was
1: just—he was just—he was just pissed off that it—it it still isn't what he wants it to be. Oh, At okay. least that's what like, I got talking from it. how I, he I can't don't know. make
3: replicants fast enough, and then he just murders one. <laughs> 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 I'm okay. seeing an issue with uh, Wallace Corp, but I think that scene was just to show that Wallace is a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Bad guy kills yeah. things. He doesn't think about them the same. He thinks himself as God. Cool.
2: All right, we're at an hour. Let's uh, let's
1: finish it off. Huh? Yeah, let's let's some right. stretch here. <laughs> All so, right, second
0: half of the movie. Yeah, second <laughs> half.
1: Here we go. So Deckard leaves the city and heads to Las Vegas. Um, K. Kay. Kay leaves
0: to find Deckard. To find Deckard.
1: Oh, sorry, K leaves Las Vegas. Kay goes to Las Vegas. Um. <laughs> He stops at a couple strip clubs on the way. He's not <laughs> able to find him there. And love is now tracking him through as she, uh, to the LAPD, where uh, she goes to Lieutenant uh, Joshi, and Joshi says that it's it's too late. Kate killed the baby, and love murders Lieutenant Joshi and uses her to um, find out where. I guess Kay win. I don't know. But she uses her to get, like, get into the computer system and then kind of tracks down Kay that way. Uh, so Kay is now in Las Vegas, and he finds Deckard, who's still alive, and he's been uh, surviving off of Jack Daniels for the past <laughs> 40 years.
0: Black label. Uh, <laughs> and honey. He's got honey. He's got right, honey Right. So his the dog there.
1: Uh, They get into a big fist fight. Uh, they kind of... Uh, he Kay proves to Deckard that he could beat the shit out of him, and so they stop fighting, and Kay <laughs> kind of... Um, questions Deckard and asks him why he left this kid. And it turns out this was the whole plan. And Deckard gave the baby after the, after Rachel died to the, uh, the hell is the name, the Freedom Movement, the Replicant Freedom Movement. Uh, so that's how uh, Deckard was split from from the child. And the, the whole idea was if D- Deckard needed to get as far away from the child as possible to protect the child. Uh, at this point, uh, Love shows up with um, her, her entourage of G-Men and they, blow up the casino that they're hiding in and take Deckard back to Wallace and left K essentially dead uh before K is passed out again and gets another concussion they step on the Joy model that uh, K has and and breaks it and so now Joy's gone um the tracking device that was left in K's jacket uh allows the replicant freedom movement to track him down and they're able to rescue him and bring him back to LA as well. And they kind of reveal to him the, the big reveal that he is not the baby that was born by Rachel. But in fact, um, the girl that they, they fake that or put in the records as dead was actually the, the true child. And they try to convince Kay that he needs to live for something bigger than him or not live anything not be a human or be as close to being human as possible by living for something that's bigger than himself. Um, so he goes out and he kind of goes soul searching where he sees the big joy advertisement. And that's kind of where I feel he gets, uh, he gets the idea that he, he's going to fight for the, uh, the freedom movement as well. Um, in the meantime, they have Deckard over at Wallace's place and Wallace is kind of messing with him, trying to get some more information out of him. Um, he even brings in a replicant that he's created that looks just like Rachel from the the first Blade Runner movie. Uh, he even plays a little bit into the idea because in the original Blade Runner, it's, uh, little ambiguous about replicants and they, they kind of try to mess with Deckard a little bit. I'm not going to go too much in that to ruin it for June. Uh, but he resists and they take him to an extraction site, Deckard, that is to an extraction site to try to get the, uh, what they want out of his head. And Kay is able to intercept them on the way there. And he shoots down, uh, their crafts and ha- causes the one that Deckard's into and loves into crash on the beach side where he fights love, uh, taking a mortal wound, a gunshot to the to the stomach, but is able to kill Love and get Deckard out of the ship and cover up Deckard being alive by putting into the file that Deckard died in the uh, the crash as well. Um so now Kay has done something bigger than himself. He takes Deckard to the um to the um the memory site where the, the woman creates memories because now Deckard is or now Kay understands that he got the memory from her and it was her memory. And so that means that she is Deckard's child. And so uh, Kay brings Deckard there. And the final scene is Kay uh, bleeding out and dies in the snow. Um, and Deckard has now been reunited with his long lost daughter.
0: Does he die? I'm not sure he does. I think
3: it's like kind of understood because he you look and it shows all the blood.
1: Like mm. he's bleeding out. I mean, if he didn't die, it'd be a stupid ending. I think it was great that, I mean, it was, he died, he, because the whole point that the freedom people were telling him was like, if if the, the greatest thing that you can do to become human is to die for something bigger than yourself.
0: Yeah, but who takes a mortal gunshot wound and drives their flying car six hours? same so <laughs> type that's of guy that human, can get thrown through a wall
1: <laughs> yeah. and
0: live. I'm just saying, if you can make it six hours, you can probably make it because <laughs> <it's a> replication. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole. Um, yeah, so this is kind of the crux of the movie, or you know, the. the oh, I mean, obviously, it's the finale, right? It's the culmination. <laughs> Some would say it's the end. <laughs> this is this is kind of what the
2: whole movie leads to.
3: Uh-
0: <laughs> so the end of the story, where it where it comes together. Yeah, um, of our
3: hero's journey.
0: <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I wonder what this if this would have been a better movie without Harrison Ford.
3: So I'm, I I torn.
1: I think the same thing
3: because at. I kept feeling like, oh, it's kind of nice to see Harrison Ford try, and at the same time, I'm like, I don't think he's trying that hard because <laughs> he's well, still I mean, just grouchy. Which, okay, he did not. Oh.
1: He did not have seen have somebody who has seen the first movie. He did not have the same feel of Deckard from the face first movie. He had the feel of Harrison Ford not wanting to be in a movie. Like,
3: God, yeah. damn it, I killed Han Solo, and I got to kill Deckard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, even beyond just. Harrison Ford's questionable acting in his, his later years it does the having to tie this back to Deckard was it important? Like, hold this movie back? Right. Yeah, he, I mean,
3: like... He could have found a journal or found a, bo- a skeleton in Vegas that was Deckard and just read the journals, you know what I mean, or something. Or, or just did, a recording, you yeah. know?
0: Did the character of Deckard even need to be present? Because this was so obviously Blade Runner without any relation... That's like true. Like, any tie to the first movie, right? That I, I, I think, almost have a suspicion this could have stood on yeah, its own. Yeah, you don't as, need to
3: tie it to Rachel to be the one
1: that gave birth.
0: Will I will Deckard posit. Didn't
1: any of his- oh, go ahead, June.
2: I will posit a counter theory that it isn't that robust, but the big twists ending here—that he was not the son of Deckard—as someone who hasn't seen the original movie, that was the the key turning point or the, or the 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 twist ending, right? And it was it was enjoyable. I don't think you could have done that without you know the confronting dad scene. That's, that's I, true. I that's, like true. That. that's true. I
1: just don't feel like um I just don't feel like Harrison Ford portrayed his old character as well as he could have. Like he didn't even he's, have a costume tired. that looked like the original one. He looked like he was wearing his pajamas. <laughs> that's what he
3: wore to set that day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is like, uh Harrison, can you can you get in your costumes I'm doing it with this one. Putting
3: you in your trench coat. I get hot flashes. I'm not wearing a fucking trench coat. <laughs> 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 Fine, just wear some jeans and a shirt.
1: <laughs> but I do think you're right, though. As far as the story driving plot, it did lead up. It, that moment did lead to the big, um, conc- you know, the big, um, uh, exciting conclusion of the big fight. Right? I mean, if Harrison hadn't been, or if Deckard hadn't been kidnapped, then there wouldn't be a big fight scene where he kills Love.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I I think I just expected more out of Harrison Ford. Uh, not now. Knowing no, you Harrison didn't. Ford, but like <laughs> for this role, you think you could like you know get up, shave, like
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the note of the twist, right? Mm-hmm. I I thought it was well done. Very I don't think well it was hidden. like an elaborate twist, right? Like we're not talking Christopher Nolan in The Prestige, right? But yeah. I think it was well set up. I think it, the the pieces were kind of laid out. You know, the, with any good movie twist. I think the the important thing is that you have to be able to look back and see like the pieces behind you. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like that was there. I think it went well. I don't, it wasn't earth shattering. Right.
1: I feel like it wasn't enough of a twist that we didn't get the sense. I felt like it was um, Kay's entire time. He was, he was always kind of on the fence. Like he never was a hundred percent convinced at any point throughout the movie. And that's how I kind of felt throughout the whole movie. The first time I watched it that I was like, uh, is he or isn't he? I was more
3: torn up yeah. like
1: if he was. I was like,
3: what the fuck? What was the point then? <laughs> they got this orphan that was born and then they just let him join the LAPD and kill replicants well, like
1: <laughs> It's I, it's even worse than that. So it's even worse than that, right? They took the baby and they made her work for Wallace making memories for replicants.
3: Yeah, this I mean, <laughs> yeah. Hide her, you know, in plain sight, plain I guess, sire, yeah. But, I, I did like when they look back, they get the little flashes where he goes, I like, see, you know, when she cried viewing the memory. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I just sure. the first time I thought saw it was like, oh, she just is crying because she's like, that's a real memory. It's so sweet. But like, no, it was her memory, and that's why it touched yeah. her. I was like,
2: oh uh, yeah. So it's unfortunate, but you know, doing this podcast when we're still thinking that Kay is Deckard's son. I was kind of like, ah, okay, like you know. <laughs> I thought it was kind of a cheap movie thing, unfortunately. <laughs> and then,
1: yeah, that when that twist happened, I was like, oh, okay, like that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's even uh, uh kind of a cooler thought about this? The that the uh, the daughter was the one who does the memories for Wallace, is that the freedom movement intentionally kind of put her there so that. Because she, she said it is, it's illegal for people to put real memories of, of their own into the, uh, the replicants. Mm-hmm. Yet she is putting her own memories into them. But these aren't memories that they had to be triggered, right? So this Nexus 9 has been made to obey and Wallace has designed them to have that. But she has been secretly using her memories, implanting them in replicants at the attempt that one of them is going to get triggered, or maybe all of them at some point are going to get triggered, and they're going to have the ability to rebel against Wallace, which has now happened, and that's why she is so important for the freedom movement. Oh. Does she
0: oh. know she is Deckard, it like it the son ex- of a replicant? It doesn't explicitly
1: I, say that, but it's interesting that's what's happening, because she did say in the movie it's illegal to put memories in there, so why else is she putting her own memories into these replicants if not? She must know that she's a replicant. She was raised by the freedom uh, the the replicant freedom. Or is movement. she human? So she's an inside. My, well, she's an inside person. You know what I mean. She was
0: raised in an orphanage. Well, I, she said, she was. But
1: well, regardless of if she's
2: the the fact that she's Deckard's daughter doesn't isn't really relevant. But the fact that she is an offspring of mm-hmm. replicants, I think it's that's the, miracle, the key. Yeah. And she knows yeah. she
0: is. So my read is that. The freedom movement, like she's not like a messiah figure. Like they're not expecting her to do something. It's just the fact that she exists that's so important to them. Sure. Uh, but I, I was just saying not- the
1: interesting fact is that Decker or Kay got one of her memories that allowed this whole thing to oh, kind so of trigger you're, him and you're <laughs> stating that
3: she has been planting those memories in other people too. Kay was just the one that followed it to the end. Right.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, a, I think my read is, yeah, that is interesting and in how it kind of closes the loop, but I'm also not so sure it was like an intentional thing, right? Like, it wasn't, well, I don't know. I mean, it's. She's got to make a of It's very, memories. It's, it's, it's very Philip K. Dick. It's very Blade Runner to like plant memories in someone to activate later, but. I, don't, I, I
1: mean it, i'm not going off of anything that was explicitly written on the plot that's just a, that was a neat interpretation i got so i've seen this movie a oh, couple yeah, yeah, times yeah. and just barely this last time i watched it that kind of was like uh-huh i wonder
0: yeah i mean i i think it's a it's a you know perfectly valid read of it right <laughs> like there's nothing that says no this isn't false either right like well i mean i just got to um, the end
3: and went so what now
0: don't don't pull a shane on me where i say i'm not so sure if i agree fuck you
3: you're like you know they have the scene the hands touch like oh and it's like well so what like wallace is still gonna keep making a (laughs) bunch of replicants like
1: the 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 (laughs) rebellions begun right like all those people were gathering underneath the the parking
0: garage but oh. to, to the earlier note about restraint, I, I did like how the story stayed personal. It didn't turn into a, a big replicant uprising at the end. Yeah,
1: I agree. Very true. Um, th- this is coming from I've, you guys being your first watch through this time around. I've I noticed a lot of little things um, that I did not catch. I think this is actually maybe the third or fourth time I've seen this movie. Um, so there are little little subtle things that are, are worth watching again in this film.
0: Oh, for I've got sure. a couple um,
1: questions.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, the the head of the underground that was Rachel, no, no, oh. she was the one. That, Rachel was her the name.
0: Skellington.
2: Okay, so who was the green eyes? Who was the old lady that was the leader of this thing? Just a, a, another character. She was no, she was
1: the she was one of the Nexus eights that helped deliver um with Sapper Morton when Rachel died with Sapper Morton. Yeah, oh, that's right. So she right. was okay. She was the Got one that it. raised um Anna, Doctor Anna. Got but it. she's
0: not of significance outside of this movie. She's okay. yeah.
2: And then um she says that Kay has to kill Decker.
1: No. She says that she says that Kay has to um help with the revolution. Oh, I thought no, she, she said, she, said she, does kill him. Him. She, she literally says you have to kill Decker.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So that she, he doesn't leave oh, them right, to huh? her.
1: That's right. Okay.
2: Yeah. I feel like, you know, you could have led with you you have to save him. I, its just really weird that you just go straight to like killing this dude who i I imagine has some significance to <laughs> the whole entire plot of this movie but
0: well um, i I think it comes down to his role was to get out and even he knows that even he says you should have left me for dead in that car um oh I so see I, you know I, I think it's you know and I'm sure they like deckard but <laughs> they have to keep this child secret. No matter what, and do they risk trying to save Deckard and just making a bigger problem, or do they just kill him?
2: Okay. Yeah. And then is the idea that this revolution happens both off world and here? I don't. I guess it know could happen an on Earth that. now because the Nexus
3: 9s okay. are on Earth and they originally were so, allowed you know, to be.
1: There's a little bit of a plot hole there. So because K goes out to find Deckard, he then makes Deckard now be wanting to be killed by the replicant freedom movement. If he just left him out in Las Vegas alone, then he would have been safe out there. But again, I guess he wouldn't be able to find <laughs> yeah, out that I, he was... I,
0: I guess at the end of the movie, it's just status quo. Yeah. Like, we just yeah. got back to where we started. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start over at the beginning. <laughs> that uh, Now that we talk about it, where does this movie get? Like, is this anywhere different than where it was when it started? I don't think
3: changes. I think Wall's just like, what did we learn? Fuck if I know. He lost <laughs> love. <laughs> he lost love and K. Two replicants died in the making just, of this film. He just makes another love and another K. And then goes, huh? Oh, I guess <laughs> yeah. we'll just keep going.
2: <laughs> One more overarching question: um, So, is Off World is that where just normal life is, and then and then
1: all the degenerates are just
2: uh in Earth? So, no, he so mentions- Mars,
1: Mars was a mining colony, right? So they were out there just mining things. There was a there was a colony out there, but there was a massacre when the when the uh, replicants rebelled. Okay. So Earth is but, where but, the majority of humans still live. Well, uh, Earth, okay. well,
0: no, there there is still an element of the rich and wealthy are going off-world to colonies that haven't been ruined, right? Like Yeah. That that's definitely an element of this movie. Um Wallace mentions offhand that there's like 8 or 9 colonies. Um it, it's mentioned in a number of places like that off-world is the place to be, right? Like with that uh doctor who says like oh with this wood you can buy a ticket off world or whatever
2: yeah right that was the I am the captain now guy yeah right?
0: yeah <laughs> I got that yeah. too I was like hey alrighty well um any other notes anything anyone else wants to say about the movie one
3: last discussion and this is kind of like the culmination of the action uh because it's the last action scene <laughs> um the the last one where it crashes between him and love I just want to comment on like with the waves hitting the car and everything just that set was so cool and had to actually probably be a pain in the ass to work in but oh man um i just this is more of just me loving it like how he you think he's defeated but you obviously know he's our hero he's not defeated but i didn't expect him to rise up out of the water and just choke her to death like yeah that was really cool
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I specifically noted that scene down as just extremely violent. Like You can feel the strikes. You can feel the struggle. And then uh, S- Sylvia Hooks, who played Love, just acted that
0: extremely well. Yeah. yeah. You've got Harrison Ford bobbing up and down in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and I noted that
2: down too. He's in the background, and when he's like not actively drowning, he just is
1: like so unhappy to be there. <laughs> he probably... He probably made more money than both those guys during that scene.
3: Well, did you guys notice the steam coming off the water, too? I was like, I bet Harrison was like, it's going to be heated. I'm not sitting cold. <laughs> I was like, when is the Pacific oh, Ocean so hot that it's steaming? <laughs> uh.
0: So, yeah, I, I those drowning scenes always stress me out so much, too. I don't know if there's anything else that stresses me out in movies as much as those.
2: And that was a scene that needed to be drawn out, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gained a lot by, because, yeah, it wasn't just the instant, like, six second held under the water, they're dead. Yeah. It was uncomfortable.
0: I mean, I guess what I would say is, yeah, I agree. This movie could have, it should have been a half an hour shorter, but I am not sure what I could cut out, what half hour, you know, in pieces or in whole that I could cut out that would not make for a Worst movie?
3: Yeah, and I truthfully, when I sat down to watch it, I didn't feel the three hours. I only felt no, it because man. it was like I had something to do after it, so I'm like, ah, come on. Like, But the movie Shane itself... has something to do? What? I mean... <laughs> I live in a dump, okay? Someone's gotta go <laughs> scavenge around here.
0: He's gotta go shoot down a hover yeah, car.
3: There's only so many cars that come by, right?
2: Uh, yeah, Shane's over in San Diego as
0: a beekeeper.
2: <laughs> Dumpster beekeeper. <laughs> um, one one movie trope that I wouldn't say bugged me, but it was just recognizable is the, the idea of magic pockets. <laughs> uh, like... K has so much shit in his pockets that just stay there the whole fucking time. He has been through so much. <laughs> and then he pulls out the thing at the end, like, God damn it. <laughs> no blood on the jacket.
0: It's cool. Or like the little though. tracking device.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There, I mean. What no, there was something else. I, I, already, I already forgot what it was, but at the end of the movie he pulls Oh, this is the horse. The, the horse. Yeah, that's yeah. always
3: there that he never fell on and went, ah.
2: <laughs> never broke, like, dude. Like shit falls out of my pockets all the time, <laughs> especially a pill sized tracker in your pocket. Yeah, and I'm not in an
1: underwater fight for my life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Give it another twenty years, maybe they'll, yeah, maybe they'll have that technology. You'll never lose <laughs> anything in these pockets.
0: <laughs> Alrighty, so let's let's talk about how the movie did. Some trivia bits and bobs like that. So, uh, this was. Kind of a, I guess I would say it's like a middling success. Uh, so they exp- it, it. was on a budget of what would we say here of about 185 million, and I guess for whatever reason it needed 400 million internationally to break even because Hollywood or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm, I assume that includes like marketing and distribution and stuff. Yeah. So overall, it overall it brought in like 260 million so you know it's, it's definitely like a big time movie didn't quite make its money back necessarily but
3: i could see it not having like a huge like mass market appeal other than like being oh look at this space adventure remember blade runner but like even blade runner is kind of like a cult film
0: yeah well, i mean like if i were to succinctly pitch this right like this is this is art house star Wars. And I, I don't know what the market is for that.
1: Um, well, I, uh, I, I would say that I was one of those people that got excited about this film, but I also, you know, grew up watching blade runner, love that movie. So I was excited just for the fact that
0: it was blade runner. Yeah. That's a, a huge part of its appeal, right? Is people who are familiar with blade runner and um, yeah, anyway, but critically it was, it was pretty well received. Um, You know, it made a lot of best of 2017 lists, um, you know, regarded as a good successor. You know, I think some of the, the, uh, yeah, there were criticisms about pacing, like we mentioned, and, uh, some said tonal shifts of the story, which (laughs) also I think tracks with some of the things we talked about. (laughs)
4: Um,
0: and you know, we, we didn't go super hard into the social commentary, right? Um, but, you know, there, there were criticisms about that, particular you know, like about how women are displayed and how they're kind of, you know, uh, accessories to the plot or, you know, like objects or pawns to move around while, um, you know, uh, the men do stuff, right? Which is a, a criticism, but also sort of part of the dystopia of the world, too, which is kind of a uh, a back and forth that was had along those lines, right? I mean, the replicants are certainly exploited in this world. It's not, I mean, the women... Might yeah, well be in a too. world
3: with generated slave labor, it's not a reach to believe misogyny is still alive. Yeah,
0: I think <laughs> yeah. when, you,
1: when you start picking at one person that's not being equally treated, you're kind of missing the point of this whole film. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you can you can also have discussions about how well the the film's criticism lands. You know that but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting theme too, especially that that the main villain of the movie his his motivation is co-opting childbirth to exploit i mean i I think it's um i mean uh, you, you can make all kinds of criticisms about movies and they're you know many are valid and you don't even have to agree with the valid ones but yes so accolades um tons of awards let me see as far as academy awards so uh it actually won two academy awards cinematography for roger deacons as you mentioned june and best visual effects and it was nominated for three more for best production design sound editing and sound mixing which you know i th- I think we discussed as well
2: has anyone seen the uh the shape of water is that the think, one yes, where so. she yeah, is it. with the, the fish guy
0: it's yeah. like her but fish instead of robots
2: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So i've seen that so Blade Runner lost Best Production Design to the Shape of Water, and it's um, yeah, man, it's gotta be yeah, that's how hard. Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy that. Those are two Goliaths yeah, fighting yeah, I each disagree. other. Well, it also went up against Dunkirk too, so mm. Dunkirk, yeah. that's a good. one. Yeah, oh, impressed, But I think the production design was one of the key highlights of this film. It, it was just so good. You should take a look at the the concept art for the film. It kind of sets into. It sets the tone for everything we've talked about in that respect.
0: Yeah, it seems like the ones that did lose it generally lost to to Dunkirk.
1: Well, I mean, the sound of Dunkirk was what made Dunkirk.
0: Yeah. Oh, Dunkirk yeah. was an excellent movie as well. You know, uh, it's, it's
1: I don't know if you saw that, Jack, or if you're going to bring it up, but this movie's been in essentially been trying to be made since
0: 1990. Yeah. So, we yeah, let's talk about this a little bit, right? Because this is. Well, I mean, there's there's so much about this movie on a metal level, right? So, uh, the original Blade Runner was directed by Ridley Scott. And ha- have you all have seen Alien and Aliens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And were there points where you guys were like, am I watching Alien or am I watching Blade Runner? Because that happened to me a number of times.
1: Well, it's got that, that 80s future mm-hmm. that they had back then where it's like uh, they still have digital monitors and like,
0: yeah. Well, it, I mean, I guess the point I'm coming around to is it's Ridley Scott is kind of the, the common theme, right? Their original director of Alien directed Blade Runner produced this. He was supposed to direct it and couldn't because he was working on a shitty Aliens movie. I'm glad he didn't. And <laughs> so Denis Villeneuve took over. You know, it's uh, the original Blade Runner was based off of a book which comes with its own set of sort of licensing and optioning issues. And so getting this off the ground um yeah it it took a long time i don't know if you have any more info about that mike uh
1: no it's just it was just put on hold because they were trying to figure out the contract and they originally started talking about making it back in 1999 or 1990 um and they just couldn't get it going until you know three people went through it and finally landed on what we got today it was probably yeah. much better
2: with 2017 technology yeah i'm, I'm trying better. to watch this movie <laughs> without it and it's probably not as good
0: well, I mean, watch watch Blade Runner. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. exactly,
3: my, exactly my point.
0: Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I feel like Blade Runner had good. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't like special effects, but it it did well with what it had. But we'll watch that later. Um, I guess Star Wars
2: Episode Two came out in two thousand two, and that had like the Coruscant scenes were kind of I would say paying homage. Oh yeah, those were Blade okay. Runner esque. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a nod to it. Um, so yeah, so Ryan, the, the role of Kay was written for Ryan Gosling, um, essentially, or at least it was tailored to him.
2: I buy that a hundred percent.
0: Uh, and yeah, Wikipedia says Harrison Ford was also one of the first significant casting choices, which is kind of like, well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before Jared Leto, David Bowie was, uh, considered for. Uh, Wallace. I could see it. Uh, he sadly died before the start of filming. Um and so they cast Jared Leto fresh off of filming Suicide Squad. <laughs> so probably <laughs> nice. the nadir of his his uh critical acclaim. Um this was I think may have been Anna de Marma's Anna de Armas' breakout role in the like English speaking market. Oh hmm. Yeah, and you know, I think a a bunch of relatively unknown actors and actresses. I mean, David da, uh, Dasmalshan, who's the coroner, I think was kind of new. I think he works a lot with uh, Denis Villeneuve. Um,
2: Do you guys see a any significance to the characters of Love and Joy being named Love and Joy? Huh. Oh, I. It's
3: I of feel- ironic.
0: <laughs> the theming kind of makes sense because they're both like Wallace Corp products, right? There's probably a yeah, yeah. a theme to it. I, I don't see any particular symbolism at the moment, but it doesn't mean there isn't any. Um, here's the uh the real moment of truth, though. So we set out on this project because we think um to put it to put it kindly, the people of IMDb are wrong. Um, that they put this stuff in the wrong order. Um, and it's our opportunity to sort of correct the record. And reorder these movies into the their their true place in the world, uh ranking them from one to two hundred and fifty. So with that said, uh having watched Blade Runner twenty forty nine, uh the thirty-sixth movie we reviewed, where do you all put it on this list?
3: Everyone at once. One,
0: two, three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready. I need I need to read okay, it. Okay,
3: I'll go first. Go for it, Shane. So I'm going to go off of how I felt immediately after watching it, not after our discussion. Um, and I liked it more than her. I'm going to place it number one because I enjoyed the entire thing. And it, yeah, start to finish. I, I loved that movie, the visuals, everything. It's, it's my number one so far now.
2: That's big.
3: Yeah. That's big. And like, you know. Bigger than a fish. We we talked about it and you can tear a thing and nitpick and stuff. But when I watched it, those nitpicks didn't like come at me. So I'm going. So um, you
2: had. Yeah. You had that specific disclaimer. Does AF, what's your take on it post discussion?
3: I think her is tighter a little bit. Like script wise and like there's a lot going on with this movie. So you can kind of go down with it but it would i'd probably put it under her after the discussion but immediately after watching it i was like that's my number one so i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna put it at number one still
2: Jeez. okay yeah interesting wow we've
3: toppled her on one of our lists you know, i did it i mean it's basically her with guns so
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's all we needed <laughs> all right uh or mike who's next Let's do mike last go ahead Jim yeah yeah i <laughs> yeah i okay i'm gonna
2: put it at number three I came out of this without the the kind of i don't know it's it it didn't invoke as much feeling as her or big fish for me um but definitely like you know good enough to be to be up there, so I'm gonna put it at number three, yeah, let's go on.
0: Yeah. In the spirit of uh, letting Mike go last. So I I think I'm in a similar boat and I'm trying to weigh whether I think it's above or below Magnolia, which is at number two for me right now. So it's, you know, is it, is it number two or number three? Um, it's tough, right? I mean, it's, it's a really interesting movie. It pulls at a lot of really interesting themes like identity and reality and, you know, uh, equality and oppression and social commentary and stuff. It's also kind of messy, you know, it, it has flaws, It's paced weirdly or slowly at times. But like I said, I can't think of how I would make it shorter. I think I'm going to put it at number three, right below Magnolia. Okay. I can't believe how low I put Magnolia now. That's good. Makes sense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't even remember what Magnolia was about. So before we
0: move on to Mike, so I, I know Mike has watched this four or five times, right? Um, now and you know Mike is super about this movie so because Mike is super about this movie does that go means it goes into the bottom ten or into the top five yeah, I was about to say, he's going to put it after the last picture show He's gonna, I had to watch it eight times to confirm I hated
3: it so much
2: <laughs> but he would recommend yeah.
0: it <laughs> must see alright Mike where, where do you put this one no, I mean, I am uh,
1: I think I'm going to kind of follow along with uh, what Shane was kind of talking about as far as, um, no, actually more of what June was talking about, about how kind of the feel that you got from this film. Um, Big Fish gave me an emotional feel that I don't get in a lot of other movies. However, Blade Runner is just, it's, it's right up my alley. It's what I like in a movie. It's what I like in stories. Uh, so if you were to ask me, would you rather watch Big Fish or would you rather watch Blade Runner twenty forty nine? I would go with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and I think that's now my number one.
0: Yeah. Oof. Wow.
1: Wow. I guess it just depends how I'm feeling that day.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess you might say there's
0: always a bigger fish.
2: <laughs> oh, oh man, it took uh, it took thirty six movies to topple
0: those those two. Yeah,
3: we're gonna start getting at some haymakers here. It's going to get rough. Well, now
2: I'm not tied to anything, so who knows what's going to happen with my life.
0: <laughs> the, the anchor's gone. Now you're
2: going to find movies that are better than 2049, but worse than Big Fish. <laughs> way off baseline now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're not even close to baseline. <laughs> Dances with wolves interlinked. <laughs> um... Yeah, this movie is somehow both like cool and thoughtful, which is I don't know if that even yeah, makes sense, right? Like it's badass, <laughs> and it's also like contemplative. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess final verdict, do you recommend watching it, June? Absolutely. Shane? Yep. Mike. Uh
1: yeah, but watch the first one first.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wish
2: I would have been able to do that. Some context would probably help.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I'd say no, yeah, you know, no doubt. Watch it, and then you but, won't
3: be like, "Why is Harrison Ford in this film?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I, I feel like it's a better experience for watching Blade Runner, but I, I still think that they are distinct enough movies that you can have a like. It it, it's not necessary, alone. right? I, yeah, I will and, say,
2: I will say, watching this first has made me really want to watch the original.
0: Hmm. So. I mean what I'll say is if you go to Blade Runner expecting Blade Runner 2049, I I don't think that's what it is. No. No. Not it's still noir. But, no but yeah, it's it's um the themes are still there, right? Like it's uh like psychological, it's uh you know, um dramatic, it's you know, mysterious. It's Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's going to get
1: June's going to get the reverse of how normally like the little, the little things that like, uh, when the guy's like doing the gorgami, June's going to go and watch the first one and be like getting it from the other side of the perspective.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, what it's- I'll say is the original blade runner 2049 is movie 25 20- 215 on our list And Blade Runner, the original is 131. So by
0: that time, I won't remember what the fuck happened in this
3: movie. (laughs) Why is Ryan Gosling not in this film?
0: (laughs) Which is funny because this is rated like 8.0 on IMDb and Blade Runner's (laughs) (laughs) 8.1. But yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, folks. Um, That was Blade Runner 2049, our 36th movie that we've watched. And next up, what do we have? Ooh. the Avengers.
3: Ugh. Oh man, really? Well, that's it's gonna, gonna be, be the Marvel easy. universe. Yeah.
0: Are you ready for some Joss Whedon dialogue?
2: <laughs> God damn it! I don't want to watch the Avengers. <laughs> I'm excited for know. the commentary on it though. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Like, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Oh. Alrighty.
0: Alrighty. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, well, thanks for joining us and we'll see you again, not next week, but whenever we happen to publish.